0: You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. welcome on into
1: the utah man podcast on this episode we're talking utah and northern illinois huskies what a fun game that was and Woo-hoo! look ahead to washington huskies coming into rice eccles stadium i'm cameron we got ryan
0: hey you nation
1: and scott
2: how we doing i'm here i'm ready i'm ready to go we're going to try and contain Ryan over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad you guys showed up because Utah hasn't shown up the last two weeks.
2: Man
0: alive, what is going on? I'm glad we've given ourselves a couple of days because if we would have recorded this right after the game, I would have been breathing fire.
2: Yeah, tempers were high. There was uh, there was a lot of anger flowing um, on Twitter, social media after that game and in my house. But uh, yeah. Rightfully so. I, I, I've come around. I've settled back down. I, you know, once you're able to kind of digest a little bit what's happened, you look at the stats, and I've I've gone back and I've watched. Uh, I at least watched the second half again. I refuse to watch the first half again. But it, it it wasn't pretty. But I don't I don't think it was as bad as we all were portraying it to be live. Are you sure? Yeah. No,
1: I 100% agree. I think even Winningham came to that conclusion in his press conference, his Monday press conference. Even said that his thoughts are a little bit different than what they were after right after the game. But I think it just proves that it was an ugly game.
2: It was, but but he was he was ticked after that game. You could tell post game with uh, just how he was talking, his tone of voice he was not a happy camper and, and to that point camp today he came out and said as much that he overreacted and after watching the film the offense was better than he thought it was watching it live so obviously there's still plenty of things to clean up um and, and there's a lot to talk about on this because through the press conference today it, it's a, it's very apparent that the players are understanding the frustration that you fans are feeling right now. Tyler Huntley came out and said that he's frustrated that everything's negative. Nobody is looking at anything positive that they're doing as a team. And and, he, and he's pretty frustrated with it. And, and, and rightfully so through two games. But the problem is you fans are not frustrated because of two games. You fans are frustrated because of a decade of this crap.
0: Yeah, and I think the frustration, at least for this year so far, stems from an offseason that was built up to you know, Tyler Tyler, Tyler Huntley having another year of experience. Play, started last year, another year under Troy Taylor. Troy Taylor's got a year of experience. Got all these returning starters, Zach Moss, Britton Covey's coming back. The wide receiver depth is the best we've ever seen it. Four returning offensive linemen. When you start adding all those things up,
2: the expectations were sky high. Well, and and you, you tack onto that the media reports that everybody's reading, everybody's seeing on Twitter, seeing on Sports Talk Radio. There's a lot of positives about this team. And 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 it, yeah, it raised expectations pretty pretty high that uh, you know this was a team that could win the South and get the job done this year. And granted, after two games, it is still too early to determine whether that's still a possibility or it's a lost cause.
0: We'll know a lot more after this weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the real test. I mean, Britton Covey today even said. The team is already fired up to start playing league games. Well,
1: and he said this already has a different feel. Yeah, from the first two games, and uh, I think it that's better
2: after after how they came out ready to play. It better have a real different feel.
1: Oh, and I think that's something that we have seen a lot under Kyle Winningham. Is Utah seems to play at the level of their opponent. It's the same reason why they can go out against SUU or Weber, heck, even BYU, and not look as good, and then the next week go out and beat a USC.
2: Yeah. The, exactly. And that and that's that's what we've seen even in the Mountain West days. We we struggle with the New Mexico and then we go play a non-conference against the Cal or or uh, Michigan or any any and, other and Scott, big
1: Scott you even brought this up on Twitter, but the game against UNLV.
2: Yeah, it was it was very UNLV-esque of I believe 07. that was 707, yeah. And yeah, we've, we've seen it. It's seen it over and over. And, and Cam, to that point, I actually think as bad of a performance as that was, it is a blessing in disguise. And it is, it is going to work in Utah's favor moving forward. What because, optimism. because, because this is a tough stretch that they got coming up. You've got Washington, you've got Stanford, you've got USC, you've got Arizona, Washington State. It's not as if we've just got a big game and then can can rest for a few weeks. It, it, it's week after week, so the Utes have got to be be ready. They've got to get they've got to they've got to get more out of the offense, and we'll jump into that and talk a little bit more about it. But that's really the name of the game year after year, same story, same tune. It's the offense, and the offense not getting the job done. I think
0: there's two ways you can look at this. There's there's either This team isn't as good as everyone thought they would be, or they know they're a good team, and they know the two teams they had to play first. They went in with an attitude of "we can just show up and beat them," and it
2: kind of showed. Okay, and and and, but do you think that's do you think that really is their approach?
0: I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe not. Consciously, but subconsciously, if you know you're a better than your opponent, opponent, you might not give your full effort.
1: I have to agree with Ryan. For them to come in and, and start the way they did against Weber, that to me proves that But, but they slow, know they could just show but up. But
2: slow starts aren't something new this year. We've been seeing that for years and under Kyle Whittingham teams. First quarters are not—we just come out of the gates blazing— we're really strong in the second quarter and we're pretty strong in the fourth quarters. First and third, historically, at least at least over the last several years, have not been all that uh, successful. Coming out of halftime, starting the game, they're just they're just slow getting into any type of rhythm offensively. Defensively, it really doesn't matter what quarter it is. They they show up, they get the job done, they play well. It's uh but coming out of the gates, they've been they've just been slow. And and you look at it. I mean, the little that you see on TV pregame, there just wasn't much enthusiasm. There wasn't much. I mean, now, granted, there wasn't much to celebrate, but there just wasn't an energy on the sideline. There wasn't an energy. Guys slapping each other on the helmet after after nice plays or anything I, like that. I
0: agree, and I but I think you can. That goes back to the type of opponent they're playing. Look, oh, you bet. Playing for in track sure. twelve, you go around to all these nice big stadiums. You look at that one; it looked like they were playing in a high school stadium.
2: Oh, for sure, but but my question is, and I, and I agree with what you're saying. They're just kind of going through the motions, saying, "Our talent's going to win," right? The question is, can they flip a switch? Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that was the issue with Northern Illinois. I think that they were just waiting for that flip, that switch to get flipped, and it never did.
2: It never did, because anytime we had a chance to get get some momentum, we gave it right back. Whether it was. A fumble, a fumble by Moss right after we cause our first fumble of the season
0: or four penalties by Agassiva or, or
2: whatever. It was, there was always some drive stopping error. Yeah. And, and that to that to me is my biggest concern is because I'm not so sure. Oh, okay. Now Washington's coming in. This game counts. All of a sudden you erase those things. You don't, you don't necessarily just eliminate those. Hopefully they decrease. In the amount of times you see them, but I don't think you're just gonna completely shed those and and not have those creep up if they're happening in game one or two. Yes, hopefully there's gonna be improvement, and hopefully we see that but i'm not I'm not so sure it's just a flip of a switch
1: so great initial thoughts. Uh, before we go into the game, we want to know that we're brought to you by Farmers Insurance for protecting your home, vehicle, and family. Look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4049. So really, I think, let's just start off with the position group that has been getting a lot of the attention. Ryan, you mentioned one of them getting four penalties, the offensive line.
0: I tweeted out after the game, this O-line blows. <laughs>
2: I don't know. That was part of the frustration (laughs) post-game. I I, I think a lot of
0: Utah fans (laughs) felt that same way.
2: I'll bet Kyle said that almost same thing to Jim Harding himself. (laughs) Those two don't get along in games. In games. (laughs) I'd be interested to see. But, yeah, in games they kind of have some uh, back and forth a little bit. But, yeah, offensive line, considering we had four starters coming back, I am a bit surprised there just doesn't seem to be much aggression now granted some of some of those penalties on Agassiva were probably him being too aggressive with the holds and whatnot but the doubt the illegal man downfield though that was a three step drop how did he I
0: get downfield <laughs>
2: because at the snap he was off <laughs> 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 he was running the 40 at the snap jeez Louise. <laughs> i mean they're just they're just those momentum killers that you know as a ute fan we can overcome those on the defensive side, <laughs> it just seems like we can't on the offensive yeah. side. Things have to be going right for us to have a long drive for us to score when we shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes just once on a drive it can it derails it, and it always seems to
0: happen on a play that you pick we pick up be first down or some significant yardage well
2: in one of Agassiva's – uh three holds, I guess he had. Um it was a nine yard gain by Moss to the left side. The hold was done after he had already gone through the um through the line. But they call I mean a hold's a hold and it just depends on if if they're gonna throw the flag or not. But those are the types of things and again, fixable everything Is it
1: fixable? Do you guys think it's fixable? Like do you honestly think that the guys that are there are able to get it together? Because I'll admit, I'm their second season together. I haven't seen improvement from last year.
2: Well, but but we did see improvement on the O line last year as the season went on. They weren't very good early last year either, but as the season went on, you you saw continual progress, and and I, I think we're going to see that this year. Um, NIU was a tough matchup. They were just young, sp- speedy, small guys. Um. And and they were given they were given both the tackles fits.
1: I mean, you have to give North um, Illinois credit that uh, Sutton Smith led the led the country in in tackles for loss. Their team as as a team led the country in tackles for loss last year. They're they're a very sound defensive team.
2: At, at one point, I thought there were literally two or three Sutton Smiths on that defensive line <laughs> because it wasn't just him that was having success. They, they 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 gave that O line fits all night long, and I mean Whittingham even admitted so that they just they m- missed assignments, um, and just and just were not all that good. Which is
0: kind of surprising with four returning starters. You'd think they would know their assignments. I know. I think at right guard they're still undecided because Nick Ford and Umanis uh, both got quite a bit of playing time. So I think they're they haven't decided who's. Who's the guy yet, which could be part of the problem.
2: Well, so, um, Umana started the first half, wasn't very good. Ford came in in the second half, wasn't very good. But according to Whittingham today, said they're both going to continue to get reps. So it doesn't sound like there's much separation between the two.
1: Yeah, he said they're grading out about the same. Um, they get the so the online did give up six sacks. That has me worried going against a Pac-12 team like Washington.
0: I have a question, though, about that. I, I agree that the O-line has a lot to do with those sacks, but could it be that sometimes Huntley doesn't recognize? I knew it was coming. I knew the co- quarterback controversy was coming. No, I, I, and I and I think Huntley's a great athlete, and I think he's a pretty darn good quarterback. He's throwing, completing over 60% of his passes so far. But I think there's some times where he doesn't recognize where the pressure's coming from and runs into the pressure and causes a sack.
1: I mean, he's definitely not comfortable in, in the pocket, you can tell. And it, it's kind of funny. I think we've kind of... Well, a lot of fans have harp- on Huntley running too much. And now I think he's maybe trying to do too much staying in the pocket. Uh, yeah... I mean, he hasn't gone full on Khalil Tate by any means.
2: <laughs> well, let's hope not.
1: <laughs> but to, but to your point, Ryan. I mean, against uh, Northern Illinois, he went twenty of thirty-one for two hundred eighty-six yards. Those aren't bad
2: numbers. No, I mean percentage-wise, I think you're you're gonna be happy with that percentage of that completion percentage every game. Two hundred eighty-six yards, not you know, wasn't wasn't spectacular. That would have been over 300 if some of those receivers caught the ball, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got 10 drops through two games. Um, Britton Covey talked about that today. It's just a mental thing. They, they drop one and it gets in their head and they're, the next ball that's coming, they're thinking about don't drop it. And, uh, you know, those are mental issues. Obviously, these guys are all capable and, and this wide receiver group, we, us three, and, uh, you know, the media in general, the fan base in general is really kind of pubbed up this, uh, this wide receiver group all off season. And it's, it's definitely disappointing to see just a lack of consistency catching the ball. Burton Covey outside of him. I mean, we've, you've got the, the, the greatest wide receiver, according to himself, who's got like four catches on the season and who's doing nothing. There's just, there's just, You know, I'm not sure exactly how to explain it, but it just there's just not a rhythm. And I think part of that is Huntley has yet to really get into a rhythm. But I think he's having a hard time getting into a rhythm because the old line is making him run for his life. He cannot just get back there and take a three-step drop, take a four- or a five-step drop, make his reads with time, and deliver the ball. if, If you look at... Probably 10 of those completions are coming on the run, are coming with guys in his face. The long ball to Dixon that he completed, he had a guy in his face he still still delivered an excellent ball. But you're not going to deliver that nice of a ball if you consistently have guys at your feet, running running right at you as you're trying to deliver those passes. And and,
1: and getting hit. Right? And I mean, he got hit. hit on that Dixon throw. He got hit, he got hit all night hard, long. You
0: know? and, and I think you're right. I mean... The O line does play a big part of it. I just you know throw the no, question I, out because I think that could be part I, of it.
2: I, I think I think there's definitely. I mean, he's not without blame either. I mean, he needs some help. He needs help from the O line. He needs help from wide receivers. But you know, h- Troy Taylor's going to be the first one to tell you that he's got to recognize some of these pressures maybe a little bit sooner, and then and then utilize his legs because Troy Taylor talks about this all the time make your read, if the pressure comes, escape to open space while still keeping your eyes down filled. The problem is he's been a little slow to escape to that open space. And so that's not allowing a ton of time to then find and continue to find receivers because Kyle Whittingham today said that our wide receivers just did not get open quick enough. So if if you if he has the ability to get outside the pocket and create a little bit more time, then these wide receivers are going to get up, get open a little bit better. Now, obviously, we don't want that on every play. No, the O line needs to give him time because exactly the first,
0: the, his first option isn't going to be open every time. He's got to go to two, three, and four sometimes, but he doesn't have time to go to two half the time.
2: No, and and it really was that way against Weaver State. He he had guys in his face, and he was running against those against them as well. So, it's really just the unit in general. Um, you know, I I didn't love a lot of the play calls that Troy Taylor was do, that was doing throughout the game. I thought he had some really nice ones. My my concern with this offense, and it seems to be a concern we see over and over, is what is the identity of this offense? I I I. Kind of feel like we don't have one yet. Two years in, it's so mix
0: and match. It seems like it seems like we do really well in power formations, especially except, this year.
2: Except when it's fourth and one. <laughs> except for, well, because we're running our quarterback out of yeah. an empty set. But go on.
0: But I guess what I'm kind of getting to is, I think the whole entire offense will improve if you utilize Zach Moss a little bit more. <laughs> And I think Whittingham kind of alluded to that today when he opened his press conference by saying, let me answer your question, Zach Moss needs to touch the ball more. And I think that I think that's right. I think if Zach Moss gets the carries that he needs to get, it opens up a lot more of the field. So how many
1: carries do you think he needs to get?
2: 20 to 25, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. Uh, minimum minimum 20 carries a game M- absolute minimum okay
1: minimum 20 he was at 16. he was at 16. Wait, are four carries really gonna make that much of a difference in this game well i'm i'm saying
2: minimum like ryan said i'd like to see him at 24 25 i'm not saying
0: you know constantly hand it off hand it off hand it off and then throw in a throw throw in a pass every 10 plays but when you have a drive really is good moving because Moss is carrying six, seven, eight yards a time. And then you end up scoring. And the next time the offense
2: takes the field, he doesn't touch the ball. It's all passes. There's no consistency. He had one rush in the second quarter. We are not experts. We're not trying to be here. But from my point of view, when in one possession, we are in power formation under center. Then the next, we're, we're in shotgun read option. Spreading the ball out it just it just seems to me that if you're not really good in one aspect, why are we trying to be really good in two? Does that make sense yeah
1: i mean i I definitely agree. I think there is a lack of identity on offense and and really with what this offense is trying to accomplish, they need some sort of rhythm, and when you can tell when this when the offense catches rhythm, how much better they are. And I think that was one of the key factors against Northern Illinois is they just never found that rhythm. And no, that's why no, they didn't. You know, they, they're more talented than Northern Illinois, so they're able to move the ball, but why drives would just fizzle
2: out. We could spend all day kind of harping on this, but the, the thing to me that is the biggest disappointment is we have got, at least through two games, and it sure looks like it, a historic defense. Oh, yeah. I would agree. That we just we can't waste it by an inept offense. We that do can't it. put points on the they board. They do every season. I know, but this defense <laughs> but it's us is every season. so good. This defense, I mean, let's be honest. Yes, do we all want to score 45 points a game? Yes. But would you be happy if we could score 29, 30 points a game? Oh, yeah. Now, granted, we are averaging right at 29. But that is against the two probably weakest teams on our schedule.
0: I think NIU is a little bit better than BYU.
2: <laughs> yeah, that could be a coin flip. <laughs> same same attendance numbers, too. but um, <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, BYU. But my point is we don't have to have... An Oregon type offense. We've just got to consistently put points up on the board because this defense is not going to allow teams to score 30 points a game. They're just not. Now, sure, there may be a week or two where they give up close to 30 points. And hopefully those are the games where the offense can, can, can uh, show up. But, but this defense so far through two games, number one in defensive efficiency in the country.
1: So I need to come clean. I have sinned. If you remember when we were kind of previewing all the positions, I had a lot of negative things to say about the linebackers. All I will say is I was wrong. Holy crap, these linebackers, Hanson's flying everywhere. He he can't be stopped. And even Cody Barton, I think, has made a big step this past season, and he's playing at a really high level, and I think that's one of the big keys um, that we're seeing on the defense, because we knew about the secondary, how talented they were going to be. The defensive line, I think maybe still a little bit of a question mark there, but they're coming together. But this linebacking crew just came out of nowhere.
0: Kind of fun to watch. I mean, Chase is fun to watch at the linebacker position. And I know he's still learning it a little bit, so I think he'll get better as the season goes on. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, I think it's great.
2: Well, really th- really through two games you've only seen Cody Barton, um, Chase Hansen and Donovan Thompson. So I mean we we've heard so much about the, you know these other linebackers that we're going to see, obviously Francis Bernard being one of those. He can't get on the field. And quite frankly, that's great because Cody Barton and uh, and Chase are playing lights out and, and and the and the opportunities that Donovan Thompson's getting, he's continuing to to produce the defensive line with, with those types of linebackers playing behind him and that type of secondary, that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. This defense essentially has given up six points through two games. Cause the 10 points Weber got were basically off offensive turnovers and, and bad field position. The field goal that they gave up against Weber State, um, was based off that turnover. They didn't give up any yards on, on that, on that series. And then the pick six, which they run it down to like the two yard line, and uh, so six points, two field goals th- through two games that really this defense has given up. And early on, I was looking at Ryan as we were uh, flying back into town, uh, um, watching that game. At one point, I was hoping the turbulence would take us down, <laughs> but um, bad. Oh, I
0: didn't know it was that bad.
2: But early on, I mean, they were giving up some chunk plays. The NIU they were they were little uh, they were successful running the ball early, but but the defense tightened up. They figured it. They figured out some things, made some adjustments, and it was just lights out the rest of the game. I mean, Northern Illinois did not have they were they were not a threat to do anything all night long, outside of those first early drives. The one stat that I re- I'm really loving
1: about this defense is passing yards allowed. 62 yards a game. You can say what you want, that it, it's only against Weber and against Northern Illinois, but that's the number y- you want to see. I mean, heck, well, I would even take even 100 yards that, the, off of them. But
2: That number's going to be tested come Saturday. No,
1: and they're not going to be able to keep that no, 62 no, no, yards for the whole season. But when you go against, and I'm, I'm trying to be rude, but these lower, kind of low low-level teams...
2: This just, is what you want. Independent type teams. <laughs>
1: this is the dominance <laughs> that you want to see.
2: Oh, for sure. Defensively. Defensively, yeah. <laughs> but that's what we're wanting to see offensively, and that's where this frustration comes. But, you know, back to back to my point. So, as I said earlier, I think this could be a blessing in disguise because I think you still get the win, But but this coaching staff has the attention of everybody on this team moving forward and and they hear the rumblings from the fan base of where things are at, Huntley himself saying they're getting frustrated with it. I think this team is going to come out with a fire that we were hoping to see in these first two games that we haven't. Being that it's a it's a night game, it's the blackout game, and it's game number one against a top 10 team with so much on the line, I think this team is going to come out blazing. The There's question no way- is how does that translate? There's only one way to shut the fans up.
0: Come out and
2: play ball. And I think the only way you can shut up the Utah fan base is you have to have a uh, a 2015 Oregon type performance week <laughs> in and week out. <laughs> Otherwise we'll all find negatives uh, regardless of uh, of of the performance, but you know Just, this is this is a huge game. There there is a lot on the line and uh, they have got to find that momentum.
1: And Scott, just kind of finished that thought, what you were saying. Whittingham is taking notice, and the coaching staff are taking notice of all these things. Whittingham said today about the wide receivers dropping balls that that's going to start costing them playing time. And I think that's one, maybe one advantage of having the depth that they do at that position is if guys aren't producing, they're going to sit
2: that's what no, they should yeah, well they should, and you know I mean one could argue after Moss's fumble should he have sat longer than he did, you know, obviously we're not going to get into that, but yeah there there's enough talent on that off or on that wide receiver group that if guys aren't producing, give somebody else an opportunity because Covey can't do it by himself. you've got to have threats outside of Covey and consistent threats i mean Celsey Mariner had a great game in game one, they had one catch in game two. No
0: show in game two.
2: So and Simpskins Simpkins has got to get going Enos Enis seems to catch whatever's thrown to him. he just doesn't have many uh, um, many attempts his way so there's there's got guys are going to step up. you're always going to have some guys step up, but you've got to find out who are those guys and then give them that opportunity moving forward and and whether it's a a returning starter in Simpkins that maybe get gets pushed pushed to the bench, so be it. I don't care who it is. You got to get guys that can produce.
1: And you know, one area of the team that I think needs to step up a little bit more special teams. Something that as you talked about. They fans, have been special. <laughs> we we've been able to kind of put our hats up and just say we have the best special teams in the country. I was never nervous with Matt Gay kicking field goals last year. I'm I'll admit I'm getting nervous every time he goes out there. I don't know if it's going to get blocked, if he's going to it.
2: So Matt Gay's three for six on the season. Not what you would expect from uh, the Lou Groza Award winner from a year ago. Um, just, I mean, two blocks. One, you know, just kicked it low, obviously with the wind early on in that game on Saturday. Another block at Weaver State, and then man, he sure he sure shalanked that one left. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really close. That was that was like Ryan's drive off the tee.
0: Wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe sometimes.
2: <laughs> he, ha- he hasn't been all that. Wishnowski seems to be doing fine. Um, we're not getting anything whatsoever out of our punt returns. Half the time, because guys are running into the ball. The blocking isn't good. The blocking the has not been good whatsoever. They're not creating any space, really, even for Covey to get his hands on the ball and have, have time to run. And then we're fair catching every kickoff,
0: which I don't, I don't get. I mean, I get the, I understand the rule, and I know Whittingham plays these percentages like well at the twenty five to
2: today. For those that didn't hear, they've done research over the last several years that eighty percent of the time, um, guys that run are not even getting to the twenty. So he figures, with that high of a percentage, you take you take your fair catch. You're already at the twenty five. You're already the yeah. Beating but if you're percentage. catching the
0: ball at the five yard line, you're not going to get to the. Twenty-five. Well, I mean, statistically, they're not.
2: But but here, but he did say there are certain there are certain things that they have to look for where they have the green light that they can catch it and run. And I'm thinking, what are those items? Because there was a couple times on Saturday where he caught the ball at the ten. And there wasn't even a guy in the screen yet.
0: Well, how can the they look at what's coming at him if they're watching to catch the ball? How do they know what to look for?
2: <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Call Whittingham, let him know. <laughs> After we gotta call the mayor first too. But um <laughs> no, the, overall I will say, you know, one one aspect of special teams that's been rock solid is my my pick. Long okay. snapper. We have had no issues with the He's long snapper. It's the snaps. short snapper, not the long snapper. Well, he hasn't had a field goal kick block. Everything's right in the glove. Right where you want it. Boom. <laughs> Tough acting to an actin'. Boom.
1: So that being said, are you guys nervous about special teams moving forward, or do you think this is something that's going to get corrected? I,
2: I think it'll get corrected. I think the mad gay
0: kicking thing is going to get corrected. The the thing that I'm most nervous about is the punt return coverage. You've got a weapon back there in Covey. You've got to get guys to block for him so he has an opportunity to run it back.
2: Well, And how many times in a season do you see – A punt bounce and hit a returning player. Hardly ever. We've already. And we've done it twice. We've already exceeded the law of averages on that this season. I mean, they've just got to clean some things up. And back to, you know, Cam, your question about the O line is it fixable? I think everything's fixable. If you've got the talent and if you've got the personnel, it's fixable. The question is how quickly can you fix it? I, th- I think we, we thought we would see a lot of fixes from Game 1 to Game 2, and we really didn't. So uh, against a, a, a tougher level of competition, that's going to be the ultimate factor in, in really determining how this season goes. But if we come out and have kind of another so-so performance, then I think people are going to be concerned. Because if, if we do not see some pretty good improvement against Washington, now granted, they're a good team, but... For the, for this fan base's sake, there needs to be some good uh, progress made, offensively and with special teams, uh, come Saturday night.
0: Yeah, with the same if ef- if they come out with the same effort they did last weekend, it's not even going to be close.
1: Well, I think that's a, a a great way to kind of wrap this up, Scott. Is normally you know you see a lot of improvement from game one to game two, and we didn't see that. So hopefully we will see that in game three as Washington comes into town, ranked tenth in the country. This is a big game that Utah starting off with their Pac-12 season, you know, the favorite to win the conference, a team that has gotten Utah's number over the years. This is a big game for Utah and and hopefully they can they can make that improvement, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean there's also I don't I don't know if the team has the approach of payback, but last year at Washington was an ugly loss. It was a loss that we should not have had, and um you know again, that was at Washington, so you know there's this talk of Chris Peterson and he's got Kyle Whittingham's number, and to an extent that's true, but this is a game that is very winnable for Utah if it shows up, if it plays to their ability, and that's really what it comes down to they we know there is talent there. We've heard all off season from Kyle Whittingham himself, this defense is special, that uh, you know there's there's something special about this team, the amount of talent, and those things haven't changed. It's there. It's whether or not the guys can get the job done and play to their their ability level. And that's I know that sounds simple, but that's really I think what it comes down to. Just get out of your own way and get the job done they they're good enough to beat this team. They just got to do it.
1: So the thing with with Washington, right? They they started the season out uh, with the loss against Auburn 21 to 16 uh, at a neutral site. I mean, Auburn's a top 10 team, but Washington just especially offensively, they just didn't look like what I was expecting, especially with a senior quarterback in Jake Browning. And even last week against North Dakota, I mean, Jake's Jake Browning threw a couple picks.
2: Now they, they've been very underwhelming offensively as well. They're they're kind of similar to Utah: good, solid defense and an offense that is not that is not producing at the moment. And so it, it's really going to come down to which offense can get the better of those two defenses, um, or you know if you can get a special team score, or you know last time Washington was in. In town, in in Rice-Eccles Stadium, they got a a late late special team score that ultimately pushed them over the top. But if you look at these two teams, I think they're pretty fair, fairly even. Um, We've talked about in previous podcasts the ability for Utah to take advantage of playing at home, playing in this environment, and using it as an actual advantage to help get them the win. Rice-Eccles is going to be popping. I think you guys hit it dead on. It's
1: a blackout game, really the first game for not only the fans to get excited, but I think this team to get excited. So hopefully, Utah, we see that progress that we've been wanting to see so far this season. Before we get to the our picks of that game, let's hurry and hit our Pack 12 and 12. And it's brought to you by our great friends at Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown. They're located at 110 West, 600 South, 801 Three five nine seven eight zero zero, And they are the preferred hotel by Pac-12 teams when they come into Salt Lake City. So I think this past week in the Pac-12, it actually was a better showing than I think a lot of people were anticipating. Let's quickly just kind of run through the games. Uh, UCLA loses to Oklahoma 49-21. to They're starting the Chip Kelly era 0-2. Washington took care of business against North Dakota, 45-3. to But like I said earlier, Browning had two interceptions. Gaskins was held really limited. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense we get uh, against Utah this coming week for Washington. Stanford took care of USC, 17-3. Bryce Love having a bounce-back game with 136 yards. And JT Daniels from USC, 16-34 of with two interceptions. Do you guys think USC went a little too early with Daniels in the season?
2: It depends on what they got behind him. Obviously, they they thought he was the better quarterback. But then again, they also thought uh, that a couple of years ago they had Sam Darnold on the bench through through two games. So, yeah, who knows? I don't really care. I I hope they just keep continuing to lose. That
0: outcome, the score surprised me. I thought it would be a closer game. I didn't think Stanford would dominate them like that.
2: But but it'll be interesting to see. You know, Arizona's out of the picture. We hope we're not out of the picture. USC doesn't look like they're going to be in the picture. It it it, it almost looks like it's going to be Colorado, ASU, and us probably for the for the South. Who would have thought? <laughs> But, um, you know, early on, granted, things can change, but that's, that's what it may look like because uh, I, I don't see USC being anything special this year.
1: Yeah, so uh, a good loss uh, for USC for if you're a Utah fan. I uh, really want to get those games over USC for the Pac-12 South. Arizona State took care of business against oh, Michigan State, Oh, did you State, see Herm Edwards?
2: 13. The CEO. Did you see that clock management? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Woo! That clock management was amazing. Thanks, ESPN.
1: So, ASU starts the season 2-0. and Herm Edwards. Maybe Herm's wow. still on
2: the payroll there at ESPN. It sounds like he is.
1: Oregon dominated Portland State, 62-14. to And then really... Arizona. I don't know what's going on with them. They're losing forty-five to eighteen at Houston. Tate goes twenty-four of forty-five with two interceptions. If you want to talk about a coach mishandling a quarterback, that's it right there.
0: It's bad. The way he ran the ball last year. I mean, I know quarterbacks have got to be able to throw the ball. It's it's not all running. But he was averaging over one hundred and twenty yards a game last year on the ground, and they're not even.
2: Attempting to utilize that? No, I mean BYU thought they were special because I kept him to 14 yards rushing. Well, he had eight last week. <laughs> so, I mean Tate Tate as a pocket passer is a poor man's Taysom Hill. He's not good. And what made Taysom great was his legs and his ability to create. And you're not even getting that from Tate anymore. So, I mean they're they're worthless at this point. Just. Just black out their games for <laughs> all of our sakes.
1: It will be interesting to see what Arizona can pull out. And Rich Rod
2: sitting season. in his recliner going, <laughs> <laughs> with a woman on each side.
1: <laughs> a big win for the Pac-12. Colorado won in Nebraska, winning 33-28. to Montez went 351 yards for three touchdowns. Granted, Nebraska only won four games last year. They're, they have a brand new coaching staff. But the fact that colorado went in there and beat
0: them it's impressive it is i yeah. think there's a lot of i think there was a lot of hype with frost going to nebraska i think a lot of people thought it was going to be instantaneous and there's obviously going to be some rebuilding there i don't think they're as good as as everyone thinks they might be but uh, still it's still a good win on the road against a big 12 team
2: yeah and as a conference we really need those wins i mean Montez was 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 pretty good 351 yards uh, through the air and this uh, Chenault character uh wide receiver he is he is good and he's catching everything so he's he's a weapon those two are definitely producing for Colorado and they're definitely a surprise we didn't expect to see this from from the haircut so it uh do know since the haircut whether whether they can uh, continue this that's that's what we'll see but considering their cheating past uh, they'll figure out a way to keep it going
1: and a shout-out to our friends over at Free Ballin' Podcast uh, for hooking us up with the sweet photos of Mac Mike, Mike McIntyre with his awesome haircut he finally got. <laughs> Oregon State took care of SUU at home, 48-25. to And Cal, 21-18 over BYU. Cal did everything they could to try to give that game away. BYU couldn't capitalize on those, and Cal comes out of Provo with the victory.
2: And Cal has the worst defense in the Pac-12, or excuse me, the worst offense. So.
1: And Washington State took just, care of business against Sano Just a Sano. little
2: tidbit for you. <laughs>
1: Washington State took care of business against Sano State, 31-0. to Washington starts the season off 2-0. and So this week in the Pac-12, not a lot of good games. There's actually a lot of dogs, I think. Uh, some games to take interest Note in. Oregon State at Reno. I think that will be really good for Oregon State to see what they can do on the road. Yeah, it's a Mountain West team. Um, but but I really want to have, see what Oregon State can you'll do. You'll have
2: to have ESPN Trace to watch it.
1: <laughs> at least it's not ESPN The Out Show to watch that one. USC at Texas. Uh,
2: Two overinflated teams. <laughs> I'm just like Booner on this, The segment. <laughs> Arizona
1: State's traveling to San Diego State. I'm not sold on Arizona State. They might be 2 and 0 They might have the CEO of the year but I'm not, I, I I don't love this ASU team, and I think they're going to come down to earth, and maybe it's against San Diego State. I, I,
2: I, I watched the, at least uh, most of their game, and I was actually impressed with their defense. Offensively, they still got a ways to go, um, like a lot of teams do, but I was actually impressed. Uh, they've got a pretty good defense, and they've got, they've got a ton of uh, athletes on that defense, so they'll be pretty good, and they're going to be a test throughout this season. I'm not sure they're 23 in the country good, but uh, they're definitely surprising some people considering we all had written them off with uh, that tire.
1: And Fresno traveling to U- uh, UCLA, I kind of think that's a must-win game for UCLA.
2: And for Fresno.
1: Uh, so as we end this segment like we do every week, we go ahead and pick three games and give our predictions. It's my week to go first. So the first game we're picking is Fresno at UCLA, I was actually surprised by this Vegas has Fresno favored by one point
2: hmm at
1: UCLA I don't think chip Kelly has the guys that he needs to to run the program he wants right now I'm gonna go Fresno Scott
2: I'm gonna go UCLA on this one I think uh I just don't think Fresno's got it this year and UCLA just they'll put a they'll put a good enough performance together to get a win right I gotta get off the
1: Schneid. I'm going to UCLA. All right, USC is traveling to Austin to take the Texas Longhorns. Texas is favored by three and a half points. I'm going to go Texas.
2: I'm going to go Texas. I'm afraid though that they may fire USC may fire their head coach, and then that'll spur them onto greatness throughout the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, but well. if they if they lose this game, uh, he's definitely on the hot seat. I am gonna go
0: with Texas as well. So we got Longhorns across Ryan, the board. Ryan
2: was looking into his eight ball, waiting <laughs> for the answer.
0: <laughs> Looks promising. And the last
1: game we're picking: SUU is traveling to Arizona. There's no line on this game because SUU is an FCS school. I think Arizona, and
2: Arizona's playing like one.
1: <laughs> I think Arizona actually figures something out this week, and they come away with the victory. Scott.
2: Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, I'd love to see Southern Utah. Oh, it'd be awesome get that win. Arizona starts zero three, but <laughs> I think just just out of the fact that uh, the athletes they have down there, they'll be able to they'll be able to get a win on this.
0: Yeah, I want I want to pick SUU, but I can't do it. So Arizona gets the first win.
1: All right, and as we close out this episode, we'll go ahead and do our Utah scores. So Washington's coming into Rice Echo Stadium as a six point favorite over the Utes. It's gonna be a blackout game. It's gonna be a great atmosphere. I think Utah covers, but I think Washington wins 21-17. Scott?
2: Oof. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull for the Utes. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Utah. A little I'm a little shy to do that, but uh we'll go with Utah. With a score of uh, 24, Washington 21. Matt Gay kicks the game-winning field goal.
1: Ryan?
0: Very similar to my outcome, although driving over here tonight, I was all prepared to pick Washington to win, but now I think Utah squeaks one out 27-24. All right,
1: so that will do it for our picks. I hope no one hates me for picking Washington. But Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter?
2: At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter and
1: Feather. Scott?
2: Uh, you can find me at UteMan underscore forever. That's UteMan underscore forever.
1: And you can catch me on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, as well on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And you can always go to our home at UtahManPodcast.com. And hopefully... I'm wrong and Utah gets a win. That'd be awesome. And
2: go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be tell that. guy. We're good. Let's cut it.
0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. What? How do the Huskies spell? <laughs> Remind. <Never> <laughs>
2: i'd rather i'd rather stare at some husky women than watch that game again <laughs> i going back to what Scott said earlier, I
0: agree that if the Utah team that we think we have shows up, they can win <laughs>
2: <What>? <laughs> speaking of putting thoughts together the Utah team. That I think we have <laughs> if we put it together.
1: It was not that bad. I,
2: <laughs> I think we can... <laughs> I hate you, Scott.
1: Thank you. I hate you, Thank Scott. Thank you. So every, every room they have is a suite. And so when teams come in and they put two players to every room, they have a lot of room because they're a suite. <laughs> <laughs> That's sounded so dumb.
2: Back to you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a of me. <laughs> well, so, they have a suite. It's big. It has, bed sh- has beds in it. it have, looks like, have windows.
1: It's got curtains. It looks like a big Tylenol. <laughs> they
2: shopped at Penny's.
0: <laughs> According to
2: Webster's Dictionary, a suite is... <laughs> Let me look... <laughs> Wikipedia says a suite is a suite if it's big enough for two beds with. <laughs> so, if it's got 35 square feet per inch to justify a suite.